Welcome to Redbird Buzz. I'm Rachel Kobus from Alumni Engagement. Bumi Akina Sotu earned her master's in sociology through Illinois State's Stevenson Center for Applied Community and Economic Development, and from there has been laying a foundation to support others in all that she has done. As director of city innovation at the Aspen Institute, Bumi oversees Bloomberg City Lab and leads efforts to engage city leaders from around the world. Her expertise lies at the intersection of international relations and organization management, where she has excelled in government, nonprofit, and higher education. Prior to Aspen Institute, she was the Deputy Director for the International Affairs Program at Howard University, a Department of State-funded program that diversifies foreign policy and international affairs sectors. Her career in Washington began in the Obama administration as Special Assistant in the Office of Land and Emergency Management at the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. There, Bumi supported the agency's engagement with G7 nations, participated in outreach efforts during the Flint water crisis, and led efforts to clear the backlog of civil rights cases impacting marginalized communities. She was also the chief of staff at Young Professionals in Foreign Policy and managed the U.S. delegation to the G7 and G20 Youth Summits and modernized the organization's fundraising and operations platform. In 2017, Bumi launched a foreign policy podcast called What in the World? which made foreign policy relevant to everyday people and amplifies experts of color. She brings a wealth of knowledge in foreign policy and national security in program and fellowship management. I'm excited to learn much more from today's guest and alum, Bumi Akina Sotu. What's the word, Redbird? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, Rachel. I'm Bumi Kinesotu. So excited to be here. And I am a proud Redbird, hailing from the great state of Rhode Island and currently residing in Washington, D.C. Yes. And we're so excited to have you. Uh, you know, before we hit record, I was telling Bumi that I know, you know, very little about foreign policy and the work that she does is greatly you know, involved with that. And, you know, a lot of the jobs you've done, I haven't heard of. I've only heard bits and pieces. So I'm very excited to talk to you today. Um, but I think it's interesting, you know, we're going to talk about international affairs, foreign policy, but you started, you came to ISU to get your master's. So you got your bachelor's and I'm so sorry, um, from which Bryant College. Well, Bryant, it's now yes. Bryant University, but it was yes. Bryant College when I went. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, but you yes. got it in computer information systems and you were a collegiate volleyball player. Yes. So this this was a, this seems a little different than what you're doing today. So what got you started with there and what led you down this path of foreign policy then? Yeah. Um Thank you, Rachel. But I think everybody can kind of relate to that. You just you have things in life, you start off with them and you sort of Never know where life takes you and you end up, you know, in someplace completely different. But um, yeah, as you mentioned, I, I majored in computer information systems. Um, I was a sociology minor, and that's actually what queued up my interest, more academic interest in foreign policy and international relations. Um, personally, my family is Nigerian. And so if you are a child of immigrants, uh, particularly if those family members are still alive in the other country and your family still connected to each other, you always have kind of like a, a consciousness, I will, of people in some other place yeah. besides the United States. Um, and so I grew up listening to, you know, my dad and my mom on the phone with people in Nigeria. They sent a lot of money back home. We'd have people who stayed with us, um, you know, when they would come to the United States and they needed a place to stay. We always had folks like coming in and out of the house. 
Um, and Nigerians are very community oriented. So we went to a Nigerian church and, you know, inevitably the politics comes up and what's happening at home. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, Nigerians are very, um, pride themselves on being very educated to which yeah. they are. And so they just have a, a worldview of what's happening politically, um, religiously, academically. And a lot of that was just like a part of, I would say like my life. Yeah. So uh, yeah, <laughs> and very much so. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like I knew what the United Nations ones was like when I was five, because yeah. like you'd have just people talking about it in the house. Um, and so um, academically, though, undergrad was where I really started to, um, I'd say, expand my knowledge of that. And the major or the minor in sociology, uh, the class that I took, I'll never forget, was um, was a uh, female genital mutilation which is a heavy 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 topic and I I didn't know that existed and I was like wait what what why like I had such a great professor who she kind of helped us unpack the issues and the cultural reasons the political challenges of ending that practice in this one particular country so I was just enthralled by the whole concept which then made me want to know more about you know why people you know feel the way they feel why certain cultures are the way they are and how the United States plays a role in all of that right and that's what that's what um foreign policy is right it's U.S. foreign engagement on policies outside the United States, yeah. um, that also impact Americans in yeah. some way. So, um, so yeah, I, I did that. And then I, I was part of the generation that, um, graduated just after 9-11. Mm. So I graduated in yeah. 2003 and really the only options for work or for anything after you graduated was the military or grad school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I actually was fortunate to get an internship. I knew I wanted to like work in the world, but I wasn't quite ready for the military. And I wasn't really like ready at that time for graduate school. So I went off and <laughs> and worked for a bank and wow. uh, was, yeah, I was an auditor, okay. but like I was doing my auditing, you know, I would audit um, uh, servers. I would audit like servers that held like your ATM information. Like it was just wild, but like I, I did it. I made money, but like I always had an itch, always had an itch for going abroad, learning about the issues outside of the United States. Um, I would learn about, you know, Yoruba people in Brazil. And I'd be like, what, like, how did that, like, what's going on there? All kinds of things. And uh, that's when I find, I found ISU's program, um, which, which at the time, was called Masters International and was at the School of uh, Community and Economic Development under Frank Beck, who was amazing. Um, I think he's retired now. Um, So at that time, President Bush allowed people, uh, had money set aside uh, to pay for your graduate school program and join Peace Corps. Yeah, okay, yeah. So you could go abroad. And I was like, sign me up. Yeah, that's exactly what I want to do. But to your point earlier, like yeah. things worked out differently. I came to ISU. Mm-hmm. I did my coursework, had a great time, um, met lifelong friends. And then I didn't do Peace Corps, but I did AmeriCorps instead. And yeah. so the trajectory continued. Um, and I'm happy to talk more about like the trajectory continued on more domestic issues. But in some way in my life, when I was, you know, working, I had a pulse on international stuff in one way I was volunteering on, on a board I helped Chicago with the Olympic bid like I was always trying to find ways outside of work to stay engaged with 
what was just happening in the world. Yeah. Well, and asking why, you know, I mean, I feel and asking you why, said, yeah, yeah, why yeah. is this, why that, how, and why, and, and making sure to just keep asking that question to see why, why everything is the way it is and how can we make it better and different? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I think you're, you know, you nailed it. It's not only the why, but it's the how, yeah. like one, how did we get here? <laughs> yep. How did we get to this point on whatever the thing is? Yep. Um, why are we still in this phase or why do we do the things for one country, but not another country mm -hmm. or, you know, all of the, why are all of our products from China, but yet we say China's like the worst, why, you know, so like yeah. there are all these whys and hows. And I was, I was finding, which I was looking for any way possible to like feed that, that curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so that kind of leads me in, um, some of our listeners do know what the Stevenson Center for Applied Community and Economic Development is. Others, you know, came to ISU and didn't know anything about it. We have students that listen to this. And so having you as an alum that went through a very uh, unique master's program compared to some others at ISU, um, could you give us maybe a little insight or description of how going through the Stevenson Center's program and doing this more hands-on applied community master's program differs from a traditional master's program yeah so for so one i'm not from illinois right so already coming into the environment of like normal illinois it was like a learning unique learning experience in and of itself um rhode island much to what people may not know if you've never been like it's it's a pretty urban state we have rural areas but mm -hmm. like i never saw cornfields <laughs> <laughs> well i never heard tornado sirens yeah exactly like middle and it wasn't in, in my mind like normal was like not that far from chicago no like it was like two hours away three hours away completely different culture so the, the cultural aspects alone were unique to me and and that yeah. that was like a learning experience i was brought out of my shell yeah um and so i just yeah the festival the corn festival i was like you all have a whole corn festival like what um <laughs> but i thought that was so fun um yeah and, and the only thing i knew about corn like in that sense was like the film like children of the corn like which oh, is not good. a good association right so <laughs> glad we opened your eyes then on that part <laughs> yes it's definitely a thing and so um that was unique for me mm -hmm. um the thing about the stevenson center that was also unique which in hindsight i appreciate um at the time i didn't know because it was my first master's um but uh, it was a small, intimate program where you knew the the, the professors mm -hmm. uh, and the staff and the students were intimately connected to each other. They knew your name. They knew your family. They knew what you were interested in. Um, and the same, like I babysat for Professor Mara Toramon, who's over there at the sociology department. And like I babysat her son. Um, to make money <laughs> on the side. Why not? Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Frank Beck, you know, invited us over to his home many, many times mm -hmm. for, you know, Thanksgiving dinner if we weren't going home or, yeah. you know, Christmas holidays if we weren't going home. Um, Beverly Byer, same thing, right? So we just yeah. had a community that was small, that was connected and familiar. Like, even though, again, I was coming from the East Coast, um, I felt like I was around family and, um, that for me at that time in life 
Um, I, I didn't even know I needed it. And it was, it was great. And, you know, I, and then I would go off and like when I got my second master's where you're in a program, you know, the professors are great, but it's not like the same sort of intimacy. So I really appreciated that. And to your point, uh, applied, right. I didn't know that you could, like, we would have, like when I took sociology classes in undergrad, it was all like theoretical, right. Like, or you would read things and whatever, but um, the what I liked about the Stevenson Center program is that it gave you a chance to apply it in a real way in community um, and not like and, and you know, yes, yeah, some folks went abroad and did Peace Corps and had an amazing experience. And I, I still wish I had been able to do it, but I still had as much impact in learning working at the domestic violence agency that I worked at in Wheaton, Illinois. Oh, yeah. That work like forever shaped I me. Um, and I still keep in touch with many of the people yeah. that um, I worked with at the domestic violence agency. So, um, and, you know, yeah, so the the, the hands-on approach um, was, um, is not to be understated. Like it really brought to life the concepts um, and the issues that we, yeah. were, we were reading about. Yeah. And you can build skills. Like yeah. you built real world skills, which yeah. is really important. Yes. And I would say, and then you, you, by putting those skills together, you started, I'm assuming, you know, you mentioned AmeriCorps, you mentioned um, domestic violence programs, like you started, I assume, finding your place, finding yeah, that you yeah. wanted those nonprofits to work for, finding out, you know, um, what you believe the world needed to have that, yeah. to fill the void. Yeah. Is, is that yeah. you know, kind of, that the is, yeah. that is accurate, Rachel, okay. I think all think I think you know again hindsight is always better um it's always easier than when you're in the moment but in hindsight um I just wanted to I just wanted to make the world better yeah in my mind I thought I had to go overseas to do that yeah. right but time after time you know um I believe in God and so I feel like God is like look you just need to I have things for you to do here before Stay you here. do all. Yes. I don't know that I was quite even ready at that age, yeah. right? To to go, even though I thought I was, but yeah. I just had so much skill building, people connecting, you know, learning a new culture normal. Yeah. That like, you know, so I just had so much still to learn. And I think there was still impact in the yeah. work that I was doing in the community yeah. in Illinois. Well. So I'm going to expand. So, you know, you, you graduated you uh, from Illinois State and you got a second master's and you said the mm -hmm. word impact. So I have this little list I'm going to read because I cannot memorize it. But, you know, I sent this to you and I said, you've done so much. Like you should look at Boomi's resume. And I mean, so much. You work with young professionals in the United States to be part of major global gatherings for our well-known youth summits. You work to clear backlogs of civil rights cases. You assisted the communities affected by the Flint water crisis. Then you went over to DC to be a part of the Obama administration for the <laughs> Environmental Protection Agency. And now I know then you went to, we'll talk a little more about Howard University and where you're at now at Aspen, but my goodness you when you put it that way Rachel it's a lot <laughs> it's a lot it's that's why I was way. like I can't ask all these questions like so each of these that you went through how did you how did you make a difference I mean just listening to that we know that you made a difference we know that you're you're studying foreign policy and international affairs and bringing it back to the United States of how can we better it so from all that I just said what I don't know where to ask besides what has been your biggest impact yeah. How have you felt, you know, learning about international affairs, foreign policy, and having the impact of all these jobs you've done? What what is what does that feel like? What's the biggest impact you've had? 
Yeah, the biggest impact I have is, and it, it has come as of late, which is like being able to connect with people like you and really young people about this field. Yeah. Like, again, I didn't, I wanted to step in this field to actually work on the issue. Like yeah. I was very interested in like gender issues. I wanted to help women um, abroad and in the United States. I wanted to like inform, um, you know, uh, democracy and peace and security. Like I had, the, I wanted to actually be in the action. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, that's where I thought I was going to make impact, but um, I didn't. And that's okay. Where I made impact is like you said, I was able to sort of live my life um, and do all these things, but that built information that I can then pass on to somebody else who mm -hmm. wanted to be able to be a diplomat, who yeah. wants to be able to go to Peace Corps, who wanted to be able to go to grad school. Like I could talk about, look, here are my experiences at two very different grad school programs. Here are the things you want to think about, right? I would not be able to do that had I sort of pigeonholed myself into uh, peace and security expert or democracy, like whatever, not to say that people who do that are not yeah. impactful. They, they certainly yeah. are, but I think, the, but you, yeah, what you're, what you're, when you list those things, like, I don't hear, like, I mean, it, it's a lot, <laughs> but when I, when, <laughs> and I swear I'm focused, like I swear I'm focused, <laughs> but like, I, um, what I, what I hear is someone who is, who wants to help one, yeah. but has collected information um and people along the way who can help influence or inspire other people to do the things that they do yeah. and impact can be like trade negotiations with you know um peru impact could be um dealing with child combats in you know vietnam yeah but impact could also be a student comes to you or, or a young person emails you or sends you a message on linkedin um, and says, hey, I'm interested in interning at State Department. Can you spare a little bit of time to talk me through that application? Like, yeah. that to, I, like that feels like that is impact to me. And the number of emails I get or texts or whatever from people like, oh, I got this internship at, or I connected with this person because of, like, that is not something, you know, again, like 20 years ago that I was like, that's what I want to do. Yeah. It just has become the impact that I've been able to like make yeah. well, like without planning it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you saying that, I mean, Bumi, it really sounds like every person needs a foundation and yeah. you're the foundation for many people. You're oh. the starter. You're the, I mean, really that's what you're describing, right? Like there yeah. can be diplomats, there can be governors, there can be lobbyists, there can be, exactly. every person needs some type of per, like, support and foundation to build and teach them that. And, you're giving your life to make sure to be a foundation for people. So yeah, and you you nailed it in the sense that like I didn't have that knowledge set when I was in college, yeah. like in undergrad. I didn't know what did I did what I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. And so I was just I played sports as a way to get through college. I mm -hmm. I loved playing volleyball, but like my focus was on like making sure I had good grades. I played my sport and I was able to like afford to pay for college. Mm -hmm. So I did internships and whatever, but there was no like, oh, you can intern at the state department. No one was coming to my school to do that. Oh, you can do a Fulbright. When I heard Fulbright, I'll never forget. When I saw Fulbright when I was in college, I thought that that was for like people who were like Nobel Peace uh -huh. Prize winners. Yeah. Right? Like yes. I was like, I know. A Fulbright? Now, like Fulbrights, are, it's just like, to me, I'm like, nah, anybody can be a Fulbright. Mm -hmm. Like I, I know Fulbrights who 
do lots of really cool things, yeah. any age, like yep. any background, like that's not a, you know, but I didn't know that yeah. Um, when I was 20, 21 years old um, yeah. or even 25 for that matter. Like, yeah. and so whatever I can pass down to somebody else to build that foundation, to inspire them, to keep going. Like to me, that, that is the most um, yeah. pleasing feeling yeah. to have. Yeah, well, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, and you have been impactful. And, you know, I think one of that is you've become a big educator. And that's why I wanted to ask you onto this show, because like I said, to begin with, foreign policy is something that not a lot of people understand. And I know you even launched uh, several seasons of a podcast called What in the World, just to trying to explain to people foreign policy. Yeah. It It's you know, I think it was, you know, you started working at Howard University, you got more into international relations, foreign policy, I know you were doing it beforehand, too. So I wanted to bring that word up. People say <laughs> foreign policy. And yeah. you did this whole podcast route to try to create relevancy. So can you give me a lesson right now? Like, I, <laughs> and I can tell you, yeah, what in the world? She has several seasons of how to make yeah. foreign policy in your everyday life. But yes, you yes. Know, I feel like people just throw it around like, oh, yeah, it's a policy. And oh, people yeah. work in foreign policy and yeah. foreign policy. It's like, what is yeah. what? What is it? What, what is it? Is it yeah. It's you. <laughs> it's you. Mm-hmm. It's the clothes you're wearing. It's the phone. It's that watch on your wrist. Mm-hmm. It's your jewelry. It's your home in a way. It's um, it's, it's you, it's us. Right. And, and I tell, and what I loved about that podcast, I, I started it when I was unemployed, actually, before oh. Howard, I left the Obama administration. And like many of us, you know, when the president leaves, you, yeah. you ain't got no job. Yep. So I had time. Um, I was slightly depressed because I couldn't find work. There was just a lot going on in 2017 that mm-hmm. year. And, um, I had time. And so I figured out how to stay busy and the podcast into mind when I, heard people, you know, saying things that were just wrong about, you know, Muslims. And there was a whole about the Muslim ban and then, you know, Mexico and building the wall. And I was like, people don't understand that like these policies, quote unquote, are actually impacting your life, even though you're not said Muslim or Mexican or whatever, even though you're not at the border, like you are actually as American people, you know, it doesn't. So in one of the first episodes I looked at um, were, were avocados, right? Oh. Again, so that's why I said you are foreign policy. Your life is foreign policy. Look at your avocado yeah. or any fruit in your refrigerator yeah. for that matter, probably comes from a different place, another country. And in my case, it was when I looked at this avocado, it was, it said, hecho in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like I, I did research. I got curious. Like, wait a minute. I was like, this, what, what's going on with our avocado? Like, why aren't we have, why don't we have American avocados? Why do we have so many avocados? You know, all the things. And then I found out there are trade agreements and these trade agreements benefit not only Mexicans, but they benefit us because in actuality, it would be more expensive for us to have our own avocados. It's cheaper to have Mexican avocados. Like, so like there's a whole like thing and that's an avocado that starts with an avocado. You could take anything else in your life, your phone, the phones, the device, Zoom, like all of these things have an international component to it. And so what I tell people is like, you are foreign policy. If you look at immigration, like like the majority of Americans today come from people who migrated from another country that was a hot mess for lots of reasons, right? That is foreign policy, right? Because they, those people back then were like, like, you know, we're leaving. We're leaving yeah. this country, yep. Ireland, Italy, wherever. Yeah. 
and we're going to go to this place, Spain, we're going to come to this place and we're going to set up shop here, right? And and try to recreate our own form of living, yeah. right? That is that yeah. is U.S. foreign policy, like that immigration, the stuff we talk about today. People who want to come here are not coming here because they want to get in a boat or die in the ocean. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. there's something, yes. they want a better life and yeah. there's something at home that is stopping them for whatever reason, yeah. you know, from having that life. And that is no different than any other time of 250 years ago with the founding of this yeah. country. So that's why I was like, we are foreign policy, but we get, we get so the rhetoric sometimes, unfortunately, mm -hmm. um, blinds us to the very personal nature of policy. Mm -hmm. And that's why I started the podcast. Cause I was like, yeah. I want us to unpack the stuff we're hearing in the news and take an objective historic look at how we got to where we are and what does it mean for Rachel yeah. when we when we I remember 2017 or 2018 the cost of beef like skyrocketed like I mean and that was because we were having trade issues with China all right there you go. yeah right and people didn't know like people had valid questions like mm -hmm. what's the issue with China beef and mm -hmm. what's the issue between the U.S. and China? like so people I thought like we can have a conversation about these things and yeah. relate it back to people's lives and not make people feel like you have to pick a blue side or a red side or yeah. a Northern state. You don't have, like none of that stuff matters. Yeah. Like it's yeah. just you, yeah. you, you, Rachel, your life, my life, you know, our families like are influenced by all of these things. And yeah. so I just wanted us to come to term, come to terms, come to that reality that you know, foreign policy is actually a lot closer than we think it is. Yeah. And, and it makes me feel good. You know, Obviously, you do your research. I think that's the key part. But you don't have to have a degree in foreign policy no, or national no, affairs. You don't have to no. be the most educated 10 degrees down the road to understand it. Either we should all be understanding and knowing what's impacting our lives. And, and policies are a big part of that. We just kind of forget about it and say someone else is doing that. Someone, someone else is. Yeah. 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 And yes, that's yeah. for better or worse with America, right? Like, we're not a... Fortunately, we're not a country where we have to worry about people bombarding our shores yes, yeah. or cutting off our electric supply or whatever, right? Like we're not in a constant state of um, tension, yeah. right? That's not the case for a lot of countries. And so people in those countries are going to be a little bit more in tune mm -hmm. with the United States even more so than Americans, right? Because yeah. they're going to know like yeah. America was involved in this or that, or we need the Americans for this, right? So as citizens, I give us a little bit of grace in that like, we are fortunate yeah. um, to not have to worry about a lot of things that would perk up yeah. our, you know, global consciousness to begin with. Yeah. Um, if you're, if someone is um, a refugee, right, yeah. uh, and comes to the United States, of course, they're going to have a different perspective yeah. on U.S. foreign policy because they're coming from a country that probably had issues, right? Yeah. So yeah. they're here as a refugee, right? So I give a, a little, I give a little bit of grace, but to your yeah. point. I think that asking why, asking how mm -hmm. is not a horrible thing. And using reputable resources, mm -hmm. reputable, balanced resources <laughs> to give you the historical context of what's happening is, is not a harmful thing. No, you don't need to have a PhD. I don't have a PhD. Yeah. I don't even have a master's in international relationships. Yeah, well, that's okay. yeah really, yeah. It's not. It's yeah. just curiosity in the same way that you asked. Like, yeah. I asked the same questions. And I just decided to create a podcast around it. Well, I'm glad you did too. And like I said, you know, I, th I know, um, 
you only did so many seasons, but in those seasons, just looking through all the different episodes that you covered, it really does teach people like how to think differently and just ask yeah. the questions and yeah. giving people yeah. a place to, another place to go find um, factual, uh, credible information yes. too. So yes. doing yes. research yes. is important. So yes. So yes. And I had no agenda with the podcast, which yeah. I loved. Like I was not yeah. pushing anybody's agenda. I was unemployed. Yeah. Yeah. No one was funding me. I yeah. was paying, using my unemployment money. <laughs> to pay for my podcast asking where my avocado came from exactly like (laughs) there was no agenda it was just to learn yeah it was just to and have a little bit of fun yeah no and I think it is and it's good to make things that I think are you know scary words or just sometimes go above people's heads make them fun and make people want to listen more about them too absolutely and that's Absolutely. why I'm, I'm happy to have alums like you on the show where we oh. get to talk about, right? We get to talk about things that other people may never get to hear about in other ways. So it's, it, yeah. you may not see yourself as an expert, but I bet compared to, you know, again, me, for example, or a lot of our listeners is, oh, this is, this is different. This is interesting because yeah. it's not yeah. my everyday life. Yeah. It's my everyday life because foreign policy is my everyday life now. I just, yeah. so yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, oh, the corn, the corn, corn yeah. and normal the corn industry and normal and you know there's a uh, i remember the saturn company the saturn cars used to mm-hmm. be out there i don't think oh mishibishi yeah oh yeah or yeah. Yes, yeah yes, one yes, of them yes. yeah like mm-hmm. all of that is connected to yes you know, that, that corn is going somewhere i knew you're gonna it's bring not, corn back up <laughs> yeah <laughs> but you're right it is it's yeah foreign policy is normal absolutely yeah yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, and so I wanted to end you on what you're currently doing because I think it's very interesting and I, I'm still trying to understand it, but it's it's just unique in my mind that it's the Aspen Institute. Mm-hmm. It has 15 locations I read just for all over the world from DC to Japan. And then it focused on um, thought leaders, scholars, members, allowing members of the public to just come in and talk about Again, maybe foreign policy in a sense, but the complex problems of the world. Is that correct? You nailed it, Rachel. Okay. You, okay. you are you are Aspen ambassador. Yes. Oh, yeah, you, <laughs> you nailed it. And and yeah, I would just add that I just do all of that in the context of mayors and the role that local leaders play in addressing these global problems. It doesn't matter if it's Chicago or Detroit or Louisville or Nagasaki, Japan, right? Um, Or Kigali, Rwanda, right? Like, so I get to literally tug on everything you listed in my bio. (laughs) I get to tug on a lot of different pieces to bring that to this role where I convene mayors and local leaders to discuss their challenges, but more importantly, their solutions so that other cities can replicate it and be like, oh, you're dealing with public safety and AI, like these are the, like, these are the questions that we have. How did you all approach it? Right. And that's, you you would think that that already happens, but it it doesn't. And, and the Aspen Institute is very much, again, a, a trusted nonpartisan space, convening space for people to dialogue without, without uh, feeling um, insignificant or yeah. dumb or like, yeah. uh, or, you know, feeling like, you know, your voice is not heard. Like people trust the Aspen Institute, this sort of the Aspen magic, if you will. Yeah. And so I've only been in the role six months, but I'm I'm seeing already the value of just like talking to people. Yeah. It's just a thing. So it's just fascinating to me. It because we do need that space because it, you know, 
that space isn't available for uh, maybe many of exactly. these people too. So to be able to bring, and I'm assuming you do, obviously you focus on mayors, but I'm sure there's mm -hmm. other leaders, other types yeah, of, yeah, right? Absolutely. Like all, all the different types of industries or yeah, um, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. like just coming Oops. together and doing that, like that's, yeah, that's kind of mind, that's very yeah. unique. What, what yeah. a great place to. It's know. really great. Oh. It's really great. I, I, you know, I have my moments where I'm like, wow, I'm actually like here. <laughs> <laughs> Again, not anything that I in college would have even like, I remember seeing the Aspen Institute as an internship or something in, in college, but I just thought it was so like high in the sky. Yeah. Elite. Like I didn't think that anybody like me from little state Rhode Island um, could yeah. ever work there. So I never, you know, ever yeah. thought I would be here. So when you bring, so again, cause you're under, hold on, I got the, so city innovation, public programs, yes. so working with yeah. mayor. So what mm -hmm. is your role then? So yeah. together, figuring out what they should discuss, talking yeah. to them beforehand. What, what is, what do Great you question. Yeah. Great question. So in partnership with Bloomberg Philanthropies, which is um, former New York mayor, uh, mm. Michael Bloomberg, uh, his philanthropic organization, um, we put on this event called City Lab. Yeah. And um, through City Lab, we, I in particular, uh, will work on content for that event. So it's a convening or a summit yeah. of mayors and mm -hmm. urban leaders um, to talk about, again, the solutions yeah. um, and the things that are coming next, right? Yeah. Like what are the next frontier of solutions and yep. potentially issues that we should all be <laughs> yeah. aware of? And so my role um, is particularly around identifying those issues, the content for that event, finding the speakers um, who can really um, hold the audience captive, you know, with, with, with their, with, with their comments. You know, the one thing that's interesting about Aspen that I, you know, it's a challenge, but nonetheless, I accepted and they hired me. So I think I'm okay. But, um, <laughs> you know, the, uh, idea of the role of art and culture, um, mm. and its impact on policy, yeah. right. How can we use the creative mind to spark curiosity of policymakers or mm -hmm. of lo local leaders, you know, like when yeah. you're so used to doing something a particular way or looking at an issue a particular, or looking at a group of pe people a particular way, that's not good. And yeah. so we believe very much in the founding of Aspen that um, arts, culture, creativity, music, all of those things can help sort of broaden our mindset. And you can look at it, it's not a hard, people might be like, oh, that's not necessarily, that's not what we need, but it's actually true. If you look at even with yeah. children, right? Yeah. Like you look at children, the, the reason why we have play is because we want them to learn. Yeah, yes. We yeah. want them to learn. We, you know, we, we, we put things in front of them that like spark all the things in their brain yeah. <laughs> to make them want to learn. Yes. And that's yeah. what, that's what this platform, that's what I do is I work with Bloomberg Philanthropies and several others to identify those creative outlets that can inspire a new way of thinking about a particular issue. Well, and how perfect is that for you to make people think outside the box, to look at think everything life. Yeah, look at yeah. everything life and ask why and why are you doing What's... this and why can't you do it different? Like really, honestly, like it's just a path. Like, yeah. It's a, yeah. And or or look like somebody else did it this way. Yeah. Why can't you? Yeah. Like like why can't you know there's nothing you, what what could you learn from like yeah. you know, an architect? Yeah. You know, the way an architect. What could you learn? How could you apply the way of uh, a uh, uh, graphic designer, you know, yeah. approaches a project. How can, yeah. what can you learn from that as a local leader or as a mayor, right? Yeah. Like never know, you never really know. Interesting, I love it. So I, yeah, I was very curious. So Aspen Institute is a, a, how amazing and, and 
kind of envious of you actually right now. Oh, so, yeah. Don't be envious. Don't be envious. <laughs> But it, is, it, it just sounds very again bringing it basically bringing kind of the right and left side of the brain in my mind yes. bring the creative to the logical yes. and trying to figure yes. out like how to make all these people like use both yes. sides to make changes so you nailed it rachel yeah. you nailed it that's exactly it that's exactly it myself so, included by the way <laughs> oh yeah i know well hey and I think, I think we kind of seen through you know what you've done is you it's other also about learning keeping finding different ways changing making progress and a lot of the stuff you're doing is is just that too so you know, my final question for you is uh what what's next then what's, what are you going to add to your resume <laughs> oh i don't know like that's such a hard question i you know i haven't i'm not a i'm not a very good like planner when it comes to at least like my career, I kind of just go, well, truly that sounds cliche. Like I go where the spirit leads me. Like it's just kind of like, and not, yeah. Like if some, if I see something that's striking to me out now, I will, I will apply or put my foot forward. I think where I'm at right now is um, just how do I do really well where I'm at? Like I, you know, spent a lot of my time bouncing around, but that's exhausting, uh, mm -hmm. one. And two, if you're like truly trying to make impact, you kind of have to stay somewhere a little bit longer yeah. than like two years. Yeah. Um, and so I, you know, and you know, we're not from this generation that used to stay in a job for like, uh -huh. you know, Ever. 40, 30, 40 years. Like that's not yeah. usual for yes. people like under 60, under 50, right? Um, so it's hard to say, but I do believe that like staying somewhere, staying put long enough can, you can really make impact, but I don't know. Um, I, I guess I'm just focused on yeah, hey, that's doing great. really well in this role. And at the same time, like just where I'm at in life, like focusing on family, focusing on, yeah. um, the deep relationships I've had with friends, yeah. um, and, and just being healthy. Yeah. Um, that's just where, um, channeling a lot of my energy these days. Good for you. I think a lot more people should do that too. So good, you know, taking care of ourselves and figuring out our personal professional life balance. That's a great way to, yeah. I think, end yeah. this too. So yeah, you can't pour from an empty cup is what yep. they say. Yes. So. Hey, I like it. Oh, well, Bumi, thank you so much for joining us. This was amazing. And I know it was just a glimpse into uh, your life and understanding a little bit more about foreign policy and some, you know, I think, again, new organizations, new ways of thinking. So thank you again so much. I appreciate it, Rachel. Yes. Thanks for reaching out and for this opportunity. I'm really yeah. excited yes. to hear this show. And that was alum and Redbird changing the world, Bumi Akinasotu. Thanks for listening and tune in next time for more stories from Beyond the Quad.